My brother Tim has been estranged from our family for the past five years. The first four years, he kind of connected with me through Facebook and text, but this past year, we lost total communication. And you can understand what kind of hurt and pain that has caused my family, but even more so, um, my parents. You know, the truth is, is that when all of this first started happening five years ago, I felt called by God to just start praying for my brother in multiple different ways so that we would stay in connection and God would draw him closer to him. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and then COVID came and then all of a sudden, I don't know why it was, but I stopped praying. I don't know if it was because of the whole fact that COVID brought everything kind of in a crazy, stressful situation. I don't know if I just finally was like, you know what? It's worthless to pray anymore because nothing has changed. But I'm sure that my disobedience is something that only I deal with, right? I mean, none of you have ever stopped praying for something or none of you have ever given up on listening to God. None of you have ever kind of ignored God and done your own thing, right? Not. Uh, I think the truth is all of us know what that experience is like for us to have a tendency to have God come to us, and yet we disobey. And so what I did was uh, I needed to have a change. And the change came about a month ago because my sister actually got a phone call from a guy in Texas who said that he was my brother's half-brother. You see, my, my brother and my sister are adopted, and my Brother Tim has been looking for his biological family and he finally connected with it. And so there was this hope and this joy that at least Tim was alive. And so, again, I felt convicted to just start praying uh, daily for Tim to see what God would do. And I confess those sins and move forward. Has God ever asked you to do something big, to pray for something big, and you simply disobeyed and did your own thing? Has God ever asked you to actually do something that, that seemed like a huge risk, and yet you kind of were like, no, I don't want to do that. You didn't want to pray, and you disobeyed, and you did your own thing. Well, I think all of us have had that experience before where God asks us to do something or to pray for something and we just kind of go off and we do our own thing and we disobey God. Well, I have a feeling that God must have known that we would struggle with this kind of thing. And so he gave to us a story in the Old Testament that we started last week uh, about a guy by the name of Jonah who struggled with this as well. Now, just to give you a recap, just in case uh, you were, you know, not here in week one, uh, what I want to do is kind of tell you the story in a minute. 
So uh, just think about that. All of you that had to stay through all of the teaching last week, you could have got it in a minute. All right? But here it goes. So Jonah is called by God to go to a place called Nineveh. And the problem is, is that Nineveh is filled with some really mean and brutal people. And in no way did he want to go there because they were so mean, so violent, that he knew that he could potentially die if he went. So instead of praying and just telling God, hey, God, I'm scared because these are brutal people, he actually chose to do his own thing and go in the opposite direction of where God was calling him another 2,500 miles to a place called Tarshish. Eventually, Jonah finds himself on a ship heading towards Tarshish, and as he's going, this huge storm comes, and in the midst of all of it, he he has this sense that maybe, just maybe, it's my fault. All the other sailors start looking around and say, this is a God storm. There, There has to be something that's gigantic. And so they start wondering whose fault it is. And pretty soon, Jonah stands up and he's like, it's my fault. I'm the one who disobeyed God. Just throw me overboard and the storm will stop. Now, when this takes place, he's like, well, just do it. And the sailors are like, well, we don't want to do that because if we do, then God may take it out on us. And so they throw out cargo trying to think that the ship will get a better balance. Well, eventually the storm becomes so bad that they have to make a choice. We're going to die if we don't do this. And so they grab Jonah and it's like, heave ho, heave ho. And they throw him overboard. And then what becomes even worse is a gigantic fish swallows him up. And he's in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Well, at this point, the man who had given up on prayer and said, I'm not going to pray to God, all of a sudden, if you're in a fish that's bigger than you, you begin to start praying the number one prayer that is in the world. And it's only one word. Do you know what that prayer is? Help! You can say it out loud. Help! He's like, help God, help me. Please, please help. And God hears his prayer and he actually delivers him from the fish. And after this experience of being delivered from the fish, he writes a prayer of thanksgiving and of what had taken place. Now, I want you to know this prayer that we're going to look at in chapter two did not he didn't write it while he was in the fish. You know, this is an eloquent prayer. He wasn't like in there going, oh, God, thank you for this. I am so grateful. No, no, no. He had one prayer. Help. Like, help me get out of this. But there were some lessons from this. So in chapter 2, verse 1, this is what we read. From inside the fish, Jonah, what's the next word? He prayed. He didn't pray when he was on the ship. He's like, I'm not going to pray to my God. But now all of a sudden, Jonah prayed 
to the Lord his God. In other words, God said, hey, buddy, now I've got your attention. Now you'll talk to me. You know, I have a feeling that right now uh, God has used COVID-19 to get our attention. He hasn't caused COVID-19, but he's allowed it to happen so that we might finally give our attention to God. And then we think of all the kind of racial unrest that's happened and violence in streets and looting and different things. And all of a sudden, God's like, well, maybe now I've got your attention. Maybe for some of you, COVID or uh, kind of what's been going on in our uh, cities has not gotten your attention. But during this whole process, you lost your job. And so when you lost your job, then God got your attention. Maybe it wasn't that, but you got furloughed. And so now all of a sudden, God has your attention. Or maybe in some respects, you're just struggling financially in your world right now, and God finally has your attention. Maybe you're in a strained relationship. There's a relationship in your life. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's with a friend. But it's strained, and now God has your attention. Whatever it is, God has your attention now. And then Jonah said this, In my what? What's the next word? Distress. In my distress, what did Jonah do? Yeah, I called on the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He answered me. Now, pause and think about this for a moment. Here is the God of the universe who created heaven and earth. He created absolutely everything. And we can call on him anytime we want to. And the scripture says that he will answer us. You know, it amazes me. So many times people will come up to me and they'll be like, man, my life is bad. Like, things are just a mess. I mean, it's a struggle, Chris. I mean, it's just bad, 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 bad. And the only thing now is... I guess I'll pray. What? Like everything's messed up and then like prayer is the tag on? Say what? Like I'm going to do everything else that I can do and then as a last resort, I'll turn to prayer. Can you imagine how insulting that must be for the God of the universe to say, you're going to do everything else, and then at the very end, then you'll choose me? Well, Jonah is in his distress, and he calls on the name of the Lord, and this is what he prays. From the depths of the what? What's the word? What is it? Grave. From the grave, from the grave, from the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. In other words, he's saying from this point in my life, I am the furthest away from God that I have ever been in my life. I am in a grave. 
I am dead. I have no life. Game over. No passing go. No collecting $200. It is done over. It's finished. Now, right now, I have a feeling that some of you might be experiencing what I call a grave experience. It might be with your marriage. You feel just lost. You feel like the marriage is dead, that there's no energy toward it. And yet, if you would call on the name of the Lord, the Scripture says, He will answer you. Maybe others of you are battling depression right now. All of us, I think, because of COVID, kind of have an underlying kind of sense of, man, life just isn't right. Things aren't connected. But you feel even more of a sense of being depressed and overwhelmed. And on the outside, the rest of the world goes, oh, they've got it together. They're good. But on the inside, you feel discouraged and overwhelmed. Maybe for others of you, it's anxiety. COVID has created great anxiety for many of us, or or maybe anxiety of what's going on in the world. And all of a sudden, there's this anxiousness that's up there. And maybe you've had some panic attacks lately. And maybe there's something that's just not right, but it's from the depths of the grave. I'm telling you, if you will call on the name of the Lord, He promises that He will answer you. Now, think about this for a a moment. At any point, God could have just gone poof and taken care of Jonah. I mean, he could have done this at any particular time he wanted. He didn't have to wait for three days and three nights. He could have done it in the first hour. Like, that's if I'm in a fish, I want to be spit out as quickly as possible. I don't want to wait an hour, a day, two days, three days. And then all of a sudden it hit me while I was preparing this. God does some of his best work in three days. Do any of you know God's masterpiece, his greatest kind of work that he did? In three days? It was the resurrection, right? Jesus is in the grave. He is dead. It's over. Game over. The vision of the church is done. And three days later, there is a miracle that takes place. And Jesus walks out of the tomb. And here in this story of Jonah, God does a miracle. But I want you to notice the miracle that takes place is when Jonah is still in pain. It doesn't happen overnight. It it takes some time. It took three days. Sometimes, see folks, God works immediately. Other times... God works through phases. Let's just look at the different phases that we find in the story of Jonah. Phase one, God sends a storm. 
And Jonah just ignores it. It doesn't work. Phase two, God sends a captain and says, Jonah, would you pray? And Jonah's like, I'm not going to pray. There's nothing I can do. Phase three, the sailors have mercy on Jonah and they don't throw him overboard. They're like, we want to have a sense that God will forgive us. Phase four, though, finally, they're like, it's either him or us because we're dying or we're going to die. And so they throw him overboard. And as he's kind of wailing and, you know, like I'm getting ready to drown, I'm so grateful. The worst thing happens is a fish, a gigantic fish, the biggest fish in the world, kind of swoops him up and swallows him. And then phase five, the fish gets a tummy ache and he throws him up onto shore. And folks, all through this miracle, you can see the different phases of God working. But the thing is, is that sometimes God works through your pain. You see, God never wastes the pain. Whatever pain you might be experiencing, God is just utilizing that if you'll call on his name to answer your ultimate prayer. You know, a lot of times uh, we will say something like this. God, I want you to do this, whatever this is, just fill in the blank. So we say, God, I want you to do this. And if God doesn't do it, on our timetable, then we freak out. We're just like, ah, is this even going to take place? But what's important is don't neglect and don't overlook all of the things that God has been doing before the prayer is answered. All that he does along the way. Sometimes people will come up to me and they'll say, well, Chris, did did you ever think that the jar would be what it is. And this is my number one answer every single time. No. No. I just never thought it would be what it is. I had never been a part of a church that was more than 150 people. And so when we first started the jar, the call was like, hey, I think if we were a church of 200, that'd be great. And then within seven years, we hit the 200 mark. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, what are we going to do now? And what I learned in that process is that God sometimes works in phases as he as he's working through us. Phase number one or, or phase number one in the jar was this. God did something. For two years, I was praying and asking God, God, where do you want to start this church? What's it going to look like? How can we get some people together? What will that be like? Phase two, after two years, I had collected six people. And one was my wife and the other one was me. So really four people in two years. Woo! Hallelujah bunch. That was it though, just just six people and then all of a sudden phase two there was pain so so much pain and hurt that we experienced because you're you're trying if any of you've ever started a business before you know how much the early days are so difficult and in year two we actually got up to 20 people and with a matter of two weeks we went down to eight and i was ready to throw it in throw in the towel It was difficult to get it off the ground. Phase three, the staff left 
All of the staff except Mikey left in a period of a year. And I'm thinking to myself, God, there's nothing more we can do. Phase four, I looked outside myself and realized I wasn't smart enough to do this, to, to fulfill the vision the way God wanted. And so I saw other people who had more wisdom than me. And then all of a sudden the church began to move. And then there was, you know, phase five and six and seven and eight and ten and twenty and a hundred. And now we're going through another phase. And some people may be like, man, you know, attendance is down and things are different and people are afraid. And what? I'm not afraid of that because I've seen the phases. And God sometimes works in our lives in ways that we can't see. But what we need to do is to remember all the ways that he has been faithful in the past. You see, it is often through phases, folks, that God leads, God teaches, God corrects, He guides, He heals, until He gets you to the ultimate call that He wants, and then He calls you into something else. So remember, don't forget to embrace each of the phases as you go along to where God has His ultimate destiny for you. You see, because the truth is this, some of you may be discouraged enough to think, well, I'm in my last chapter. No, you're not. Wherever you're at, God is writing more that is greater than where you're at right now. And many times people throw in the towel way too early before God can complete the phases of the miracle that he wants to do in your life. Well, Jonah is in this fish, and God finally has his attention. And let's read verses 3 through 6. He prays this. Jonah says, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me, all your waves and breakers. It's just like, he's experiencing everything that a gigantic fish, uh, like a whale maybe, is experiencing. There's water coming in and water going out and nastiness everywhere. And he said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. During COVID, I've started watching a new show on the History Channel called Alone. Have any of you ever seen this before? If not, you should check it out. They, they take a person into a remote place, like in the Arctic, and they leave them alone. And all they have is like a little camera that they kind of experience, and they have to do everything alone. Well, this is what like Jonah is experiencing. He, he's all alone in this fish, and he's simply trying to survive the elements. Verse 6. To the, roots, uh, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. In other words, there is no physical help or hope whatsoever. I'm all alone. 
It's game over. I'm going to die. This is it. I am a dead man, but I'm not walking. I'm just like in the midst of this fish. And then he says this. What's the first word of the next part of the verse? What is it? What's it say? I think it's there. Let's move. Let's, there it is. What's the very first word? You just said that in church. But. Folks, every time you see the word but in Scripture, you should really be concerned about what is the next thing. Because God wants to say something cool. He says, but what? Let's all read it out loud together. You brought me. Yeah. You brought my life up from the pit. You brought my life up from the, from the pit. If you read Jonah 1, what you'll see over and over again in the first chapter, I hope many of you will if you haven't seen it, is this. He went down, he went down, he went down. This word down is just all over chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, all of a sudden, you see this interaction that he has with God and things begin to shift and he starts going up. But you, O Lord, brought me up from the pit. Some of you right now might be feeling like your life is spiraling down. It's just spiraling down and down and down and downward. And this is what I want to remind you today. Never forget the but God moments in your life. Never forget the but God moments in your life. One of the things that gives me faith for today is because I can remember, but God did this. Uh, my life was out of control, but God intervened. Uh, my marriage was so horrible and things were going bad, but God changed my heart and healed my marriage. Uh, the doctor told me that this is what's going to happen and it's going to be that way forever but God brought healing. Folks, don't ever forget the but God moments in your life. Because it's in those moments that we finally really believe. Remember that all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. All things are possible with God. Jonah goes on in verse 7 and says then this, When my life was ebbing away, what did he do? What, what did he do? He remembered you, O Lord. I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose in your holy temple. Here what Jonah is basically saying is this. When I'm sharing this prayer, what I want to do is to let everyone else know, whatever you do, don't do what I did. Whatever you do, don't disobey God. Whatever you do, don't run away from God. Whatever you do, don't ignore Him. Whatever you do, don't neglect what He is telling you. And then in verse 8, He says, Those who cling to worthless idols, what do they do? They forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Now, uh, the most important word in that verse is the word grace. 
And uh, the word grace in Hebrew uh, actually comes from the Hebrew word chesed. Okay? So kind of act like you got a, you know, like some phlegm in the back of your throat. Okay? And then you just say chesed. Okay? Let's all say it together on three. One, two, three. Chesed. Right. Okay. Now that word, what it means is loving kindness. It literally means the pursuing of the love of God. There's a story in the New Testament called the prodigal son. The prodigal runs away from his father. And the scripture says that the father pursues him and gives him grace. In other words, uh, I have said this so many times before. But what grace means, folks is that there's nothing you can do to make God love you less, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. God loves you exactly where you are at. God loves you where you're at. But those who cling to stupid things, the Scripture is saying, those who cling to idols will forfeit God's grace. They will not be able to receive the hassid of his grace. So the question then becomes, well, what is Jonah's idols? When you look at his life, we've looked at chapter 1 and 2. What were some of his idols? Well, the first one was his idol of prejudice. He hated the Ninevites. He did not want to go to Nineveh. He despised those people. Folks, the truth is, every single one of us in this auditorium and every single one of you that are watching online, you have a prejudice. We all do. Every single one of us have prejudices in our life. There are people that we just feel uneasy around. And even though we might never say it with our lips, in our hearts, we're saying, I don't like this person because of fill in the blank. For example, Democrats. Ugh. Some of you, like when you just hear that word, you just, ah. And then there's others of you. Whenever you hear the word, Republican. You're like, ah. And then you have, you know, people who are independent. And then you're like, well, they don't even make up their mind. So I don't like them. And all of a sudden, we can't stand certain people because of whatever their leaning is. But this is the hard truth, and this is what we're seeing in our culture today. It goes a lot deeper, doesn't it? than just what your political persuasion is. But some of us have deeper things that God roots up and says it needs to change. Let me just say this. This is kind of, you know, a warning, I guess, because it's a warning for me. Um, Be very careful what your prejudices are. Because God might send a storm in your life to be able to get your attention. 
Because he loves you too much and he loves his people too much to be people who carry the idol of prejudice. And so he'll do whatever it takes, even a storm, even being swallowed by a fish to get your attention so that you look more like Christ. So one idol that I think he had was prejudice. The second one is the idol of self. Just of self. I hear you, God, what you're saying, but I want to do it my way. I mean, it's a great Frank Sinatra song. I did it my way, you know. But it doesn't work with God. He's like, I don't like that. I don't like you to be selfish. I don't want you to focus all about self. And do you know what the biggest idol in the church today is? Self. In the culture of the American church, there are so many Christians who would say, yeah, I know that's what God's word says. I know that I should care. I know that I should change. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if you don't feed my every need, if you don't, you know, help consume, your consumers, the, the American church, consume I just want consumption. I don't want to contribute anything. I only will ever submit to myself. Not to the church, not to somebody else, just myself. Folks, I don't know what prejudice you hold, what kind of selfishness you hold. I don't know what your idol is, but if you cling to worthless idols, you forfeit the grace that God wants to give in your life. Now, can I be straight with you just for a moment? And it's this. Choosing an idol over grace is a bad trade. It's like all the dot-coms, you know, in the 90s. Everybody, like, tried to invest in those, and then they all went belly up. It's a bad trade, folks, for you to trade and forfeit grace for whatever your idol is. In this next verse, I really like it because what Jonah does is he actually doesn't make any excuses. He's just very straight when he says this. But I, with song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. And then what he has vowed, what's he say he's going to do? He will make good, right? I will make good. So what was Jonah's vow? Well, the scripture doesn't really tell us exactly what he vowed. But I have a feeling when you're in the belly of a fish for three days, you might vow something like this. God, if you tell me to speak, I'll speak. If you tell me to go, I'll go. God, if you tell me to do anything that you want me to do, I will do it. Just get me out of this fish. And so whatever it is, he made a vow and he said, I will make good on it. For some of you, there's something that God's been asking you to do for a while. There's something that's been stirring in your spirit. He's calling you to do it. 
And you're like, I know he is. And you need to make good on it today. I don't know what it is. Only you do. Only you know what God's been calling you to do. But you need to make good on it. A couple of months ago, uh, a young woman who's connected with a family uh, here at our church was graduating from IU. And I was talking to her, and she said, uh, upon uh, graduation, I'm actually going to stay on campus, and I'm going to be a part of a ministry that reaches people for Christ. And I just wondered if you'd be willing to pray and then maybe consider financially giving for this. Now, I didn't know her that well, and so I thought to myself, well, this kind of gives me a little bit of a pass, you know. Uh, and, and typically, this is what people will do when someone goes to you and says, would you pray and consider giving? Most people will do this. I'll pray for you. But when it comes to giving money, that's a whole nother thing. And so I felt this prompting that I should kind of help and reach out. But I was like, eh, I just kind of pushed it off to the side. And another month kind of went by and I remembered it. She had sent me an email and I remembered this prompting. And so I go to my wife thinking that she'll get me out of this. And so I go, hey, Jen, I don't know her that well. And, you know, I don't know if we should do this. And, you know, and she's like, oh, great. I think that's awesome. We should do it. You, you see, Jen's a lot more generous than I am. And she's a lot more holy than I am. And so she did that. And so um, I still wasn't so sure. And I kind of put it off. And then a week later, I get this email from this young woman And she says, I just wondered what you were thinking. And in that moment, I got a whisper from God that said, make good on what I told you. And make good now, Chris. Many people have invested in your life. Why not invest in somebody else? And so I went ahead and made the commitment right then. And monthly, we're going to support her for the next year. And I got this response back from her. In which she said this, Chris, sweet. My own wife doesn't say sweet to me. And here's somebody I don't even know. She goes, Chris, sweet. I can't express enough how much your prayers and financial support mean to me. Please thank your wife for praying for me as well in my journey ahead. Folks, this is what I want you to know. We just came up on the first half of the year. And the first half of the year was difficult for all of us. But this is what I know. God is going to ask some of you to do something in this next half of the year. And the question will be, are you going to make good on it? Some of you, God's already asked you to do something in the first half. And have you made good on it? And when he does, I'm telling you, you want to be the person when he says, what about this? You want to say, I vowed and I made good on it. Now, let's conclude kind of Jonah's prayer. But I want you to, rem- to remind you where he's at. Remember, he, he's in the fish. There's nothing he can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing he can do to earn his wholeness. There's nothing he can do to earn his salvation. He, he couldn't give enough money. He, he couldn't, you know, do any good works. He couldn't care for the poor. He couldn't sponsor a student from IU who just graduated. But in the next verse, this is what Jonah proclaims. Salvation comes from 
Who? What's it say? The Lord. Salvation comes from your good works? No. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation, being made right with God, is never dependent on your works. And the reason God does that is because as humans, if it was based on our works, we would brag about it. And it's simply a free gift that God gives to you and God gives to me. It's free, but it wasn't cheap. What it cost was his very own son going to a cross and dying upon it so that you would not have to carry the weight of your sin anymore. And do you know why Jesus did this for you? Because he's head over heels in love with you. And when you finally experience that, you know what God does? He loves me as is. That there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. There's nothing I can do to make God love me less. He just loves me right where I'm at. You realize then that your only reasonable response is to say, Lord, here is my life. Take all of it because salvation comes from you. Wholeness comes from you. Peace comes from you. Well, once Jonah finally realizes this, look at what happens in verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That's kind of a disgusting way to end a prayer, isn't it? It's like at the very end, it's like, praise the Lord. But to me, folks, this might be the most powerful part of the prayer. Because it wasn't until Jonah was on shore that he finally realized I called upon the name of the Lord, and He answered me. It was messy. It wasn't perfect, but He answered me. And it drives home kind of this message that I hope will echo in your hearts for the rest of your life, but especially for the rest of this day and this week. And it's kind of our take-home message today, and it's this. Whether you're on top of the world or in the depths of hell, when you call on the name of the Lord, He will answer you. Whether you're on top of the world or whether you're in the depths of hell, when you call on the name of the Lord, He will answer you. Let's pray. Right now I'm going to ask that the lights just kind of come down for you to have a moment with God. A moment where you can just be with God one-on-one. 
And I simply want to ask you this question. Do you have anything to take to God in prayer? And with the lights down, no one's looking. But if you would, if you just raise your hand and say, yep, I've got something that I want to take to God in prayer. Maybe it's a fear that you have. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your struggles. Maybe it's something with your kids or your grandkids or your parents. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with a friend, a co-worker. People in the hospital who are dying from COVID or something else. People who are filled with fear and they're locked in their houses. What about victims of sexual abuse or domestic abuse? What about tragedies in this world? What about people who are grieving from the death of their loved ones? I just want to ask, I can't see you on the screen, but those of you here in the auditorium, you should raise your hand right now because you have something to take to God in prayer. Call on God right now. Call in your own words. Just cry out to Him silently within yourself. Make this your prayer time. Let me pray for you right now. You can put your hand down. God of heaven and earth, we come to you today and we realize that when we call to you, you answer us. We know that whatever place we're in, you never leave us alone. You answer us. And so, God, I pray right now that in the places that you will, God, would you bring immediate deliverance, whether it's fear, whether it's a sense of anxiety, depression. God, would you move right now? And yet, God, we also recognize that there are times that sometimes your ways work in a different way and it takes some phases. But we pray, God, that you would remind us the, the but only moments in our lives where you stepped in, where we can look in our past and we can be changed. God, help us to humble ourselves right now and to repent for the sin of idolatry. That we have placed idols in front of us. Whether it's a prejudice or self or something else, God, we come together today to repent, to say, God, we want to change. We want to be different. We want to look more like you. And we know, God, when we humble ourselves and we seek your face, you will act and you will move. And we thank you in advance for the prayers that you're going to answer right now as people have been praying to you. Jonah said, salvation comes from the Lord. And maybe right now you're not right with God or you've drifted away from God. Now is the time for you to actually turn back to Him and say, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your second chance. I give my life, God, to you right now. I know it's in shambles, but God, I'm I'm trusting you. What you did for Jonah, God, you could do for me. You could give me a second chance. So right now, if you're ready to give your one and only life to Christ or recommit your life to Him and to be made new, to have all of your sins 
forgiven, everything wiped out, I invite you to repeat this prayer after me. But it's not just a prayer that you say by yourself, but it's a prayer that we pray in unity. And I invite you to simply repeat it. Others will pray with you, but just repeat after me. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer for the very first time, uh, if you would, uh, just go ahead and tap on the screen if you're watching online. Uh, if you're here uh, live, uh, I want to encourage you when you walk through these doors right to the left, uh, someone has a gift for you. they just like to thank you and uh, celebrate with you on your decision to do that. If you'd like prayer for anything, uh, you can go through these doors and right to the left. Again, if you made that commitment today, just tap on the raise hand button or, uh, you know, the jar.org uh, slash accept. Uh, to let them know that. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you. And so you can do that as well. Um, our greeters will uh, dismiss you. So just take a moment just to chill. They'll dismiss you to let you go. And as you leave, please practice good social distancing. Keep everyone safe as they go out there. Uh, otherwise, uh, as you walk out, there's a couple of uh, different boxes uh, that have just for an offering. You can put your Connect card in there if you want to give financially. That's great too. But wherever you're at, I want you to know that when you call on the name of the Lord, He will answer you. So here's my air hug to all of you. Uh, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. Thanks, everybody.